EU Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University. Welcome to the EU Futures Podcast, exploring the emerging future in Europe. I'm Oya Jordanian, an outreach coordinator at BU Center for the Study of Europe. Today is April 26, and I talked to Dr. Maria Cristina Nisco, a postdoctoral research fellow in English linguistics at the University of Naples, L'Orientale. Dr. Nisco is the visiting scholar at BU Center for the Study of Europe. Okay, my name is Maria Cristina Nisco, NISCO, and um, I come from Italy, where I'm a postdoctoral research fellow in English linguistics. So I'm a discourse analyst, and uh, I'm here as a visiting scholar uh, at the Center for the Study of Europe. Um, because I'm basically interested in, uh, in uh, issues related to political science uh, investigated from a linguistic perspective. That's a very interesting perspective. So, um, why do you think the European Union is hitting? What kind of, what kind of um, future is currently emerging in the European Union? given all the social, economic and political transformation that it now undergoes, in a way you see as a, as a citizen of, of the European Union? Well, I think the European Union um, was uh, shaken at its foundation from um, different perspectives. So I think there are a number of uh, crises going on currently. Um, the one I'm mostly involved with, I mean, as far as uh, I'm concerned as a, as a person and as a, as a scholar, uh, as a discourse analyst, would be the one dealing with migration. So I think this is a very um, tough issue the European Union uh, has to confront, has to face. I don't think there has been, up until now, an adequate response to the whole crisis of uh, migrants and, and asylum seekers in the EU. There is no homogeneity within member states, within EU member states, so um, that's another part of the problem. Uh, there are different um, conditions of reception, uh, different policies Although the European Union gives some recommendations, um, but then each country adopts a variety of policies, uh, which makes things harder, I mean, in terms of dealing with people, because we, we sometimes forget they're human beings. I mean, we're talking about human beings. Instead, we, we tend to... Um, to tackle the issue in terms of uh, numbers, of uh, problems, of you know, pressures, the pressure that we feel, nothing else. In terms of security and uh, in terms of uh, protection, but we're not actually protecting those people who are fleeing from conflicts. We're trying to protect ourselves from them. So I think... Um, that's one of the things I'm mostly worried about as a citizen, of, uh, as a European citizen and as a scholar 
interested in, in this kind of issues. Although, as I said, not um, specifically, not explicitly from uh, a political science perspective, but from a linguistic perspective. What would you change in in a current migration policy toward? I mean, the reason that was that is exercised to deal with the recent migration crisis. What would you change? You said it's not that quite adequate. What would you need to change? It is. I mean, it is tough. As a matter of fact, it's a very uh, difficult question to deal with. But probably. Uh, there's no point in in raising barriers and and uh, fences and borders. Probably, the best thing to do would be to become aware of this huge crisis, which is honestly difficult to deal with, but it has to be dealt with, and probably um, create some kind of um, safe routes for these people because uh, hundreds, thousands of people die in the Mediterranean Sea. And, uh, and, and they die even, I mean, coming from Eastern Europe. And that will not stop. That is not going to stop. So probably the best thing to do would be to uh, balance, to, to share the responsibility between all member states, because of course some member states are much more under pressure than, than others. So probably the best thing to do would be trying to share responsibility instead of avoid responsibility and create some kind of safe corridors, I don't know how to call them, for these people to be safe, to be registered, so that everyone is, there, there's a sort of track um, and security is not jeopardized. I mean, since they are so worried about um, security, the security of European citizens, then um, that might work. But certainly some kind of uh, rebalancing of responsibilities. Because, of course, most of the migrants get to the southern countries of the European Union, mostly Italy, my country, or also Greece, Malta, but then they're not, I mean, their goal is to reach northern countries of Europe. So they actually head for um, Sweden, the UK, uh, but all the burden is on southern countries in terms of uh, welcome, in terms of registration and so on. So maybe, you know, um, creating a different kind of uh, system might help. What kind of system if you can clarify or make that? Um, well, as I said, I'm not a political analyst, so I'm not so into this kind of um, practical solutions, unfortunately. But um, as, as an analyst, I mean, my job goes up to the point where I can actually investigate what is going on at the moment and something is not working right now. There is a sort of um, clash, there is a sort of gap, um, even as far as legal texts are concerned, between what the European Union suggests, for example, in some of its programs, the Tampere program, the Hague program, the Stockholm 
program, uh, which all invariably emphasize the importance to protect refugees, to welcome refugees, to, to, to integrate them within the European societies. And the actual texts of um, judgments and opinions, basically EU case law, so there is a clash between what the what the the, the text of the uh, program suggests and what the actual case law is about and the actual case law EU case law is all about sending these people back to their countries of origins it's not about uh, welcoming them and uh, protecting them it's not about solidarity it is about you know avoiding the burden of migrants so something is not working within the european union many europeans were expressing concerns that if they welcome all the asylum seekers and migrants they're going to face security problems do you share this position or you think the security concerns are exaggerated i think they are exaggerated i mean Yes, um, there are um, concerns about security, uh, especially after some terrorist events. But I don't think that terrorism and migration go hand in hand, honestly. And I don't think we can actually criminalize migrants as a category. What do you see? How, how, how the European integration will, will move? What's, what will be its direction? What, what kind of, what, what's the future of European integration among the, among the member states? What's, where the integration is heading to? If you would... Among the member states or among... I mean, I mean among the member states. The, 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 if we take the European Union... The 28 member states, the integration process isn't, isn't over yet. It's, it's continuous and members, I mean, all the new... Yeah, I think it will go on. It's, it's just, it just continues. And how do you see the future of the integration? What's, what, uh... I think it's going to be a, a hard process. An ongoing, it's an ongoing process, but I think it will, ge- it will go on for um, some time because there are um, sharp differences between member states in terms of um, advancements of policies in ne- at national level. Um, and of course, um, some member states are stronger in terms of economics uh, and, and geopolitics also. Some are weaker. So I think that um, integration among member states has uh, still a long way to go. I mean, it, it should be uh, a goal, but I think it has a long way to go. There are a lot of contrasts, I think, between member states, between um, private interests and what the European Union then um, asks member states to do. There are some, some clashes, I guess. Coming to more, again, uh, Europe's EU's uh, multiculturalism policies, you know, it's, uh, 
it has been widely criticized that there is multiculturalism policy. What what would you, would you, what would be your assessment? We know that EU's linguistic policy is part of that. You know, multilingualism policy is is an umbrella term. Well, I, you... I mean, I think I think that um, the um, the encouragement to um, respect diversity, whether it be linguistic diversity or cultural diversity, should be a positive aspect. I mean, there are um, even more realities, cultural and linguistic realities, within the European Union that are not accounted for. So, for example? Well, for example, a lot of minority languages there, of course, the European Union recognizes official languages, national languages, but you've got a lot of minority languages. But I guess I think that um, there is a policy that um, aims at uh, protecting diversity. So I, I don't really see the point of criticizing this kind of, um, of attitude of the European Union. I think it's a positive thing to encourage diversity and and, uh, and save diversity. If you had a chance to draw a, a, a European Union in a way that you want, how would it look like? That's a tough question um, because I think that um, that the national uh, dimension is still um, too strong in in the different member states. I mean, we still do feel much more citizens of our own country than European citizens. While probably um, it would help if we could share a European, a sort of Europeanness, a European dimension. Um, but of course, I mean, probably some some specific policies, I don't know, as I said, I'm not an expert, but probably some specific policies should be uh, put into place in order to help some weaker member states and, um, and you know, make things equal between uh, within the European Union, between different member states, because I think there are very different um, conditions within the territory. What do you, would you? There are many questions I asked you, but uh, of course there are questions I didn't ask you. So, is there anything I didn't ask you, but you kind of, in the context of emerging future in the European Union? The very idea of this of this uh, project is to to look ahead and see what is what is the future that is emerging in the European Union and what its citizens what influence its citizens can have on it and can kind of shape shape that future. So, if thinking about this, is there anything you would like to say? You know, the, the, what I was saying, talking about the national level in contrast to the European level is partly connected to that because if I have to, to, to imagine a European future right now, right now it's not so bright unfortunately 
I mean, thinking about all the crises the European Union is is experiencing right now is not so is not a bright future. So maybe if we manage to um, create an actual European space apart from labels, official labels, every member state is just trying to protect itself and keep its own interests safe from others while um, probably we should avoid well member states should avoid doing that and start working together to face some problems as a union not as single countries if they uh, accepted to be a union then let's try and be a union of countries while as i said there are strong national interests playing a major part in what goes on and uh, and that could be in the way of future developments for the U- european union as a whole Futures Podcast, a project of the Center for the Study of Europe at Boston University, funded by a Getting to Know Europe grant from the European Commission delegation in Washington, D.C.